welcome to the first ever episode of My Three Cents. We are so excited that you decided to tune in and listen to us today. Um, You could have done so many things with your day, but you decided to do this. So thank you for that. And yeah, so I guess I should start by introducing myself. I'm Julianne, and you'll meet my amazing co-host Sophia in just a minute. But before we jump in, I just wanted to let you know what this episode was going to be about and what to expect. So for this first episode, we thought we'd dive right in with the moon landing conspiracy theory. So what I've done is I've just done some research into claims conspiracy theorists make regarding the moon landing and I've taken their arguments and compiled them and I'm going to use them to see if I can convince Sophia that the moon landing is faked. But make sure you stick around because there is a twist coming up. And with all of that said, I think it's time we jump right into this. I just wanted to start off by asking you, you know, if you know anything about the moon landing conspiracy theory, your opinions on it, just anything okay, in general. So I know very minimal about the moon landing conspiracy. In fact, I know almost nothing. I know that there is one and that's about as far as it goes. I know that people like the whole thing was faked, uh, but I don't know why or what like political or social motivations there would be for faking a moon landing um, so I know I like I'm going into this blind. Okay, cool. That's probably a pretty good place place to start. So I just wanted to start this off first of all with a little bit of a disclaimer. None of these points that I'm gonna make are my own opinions, and everything is based off discussions I've found from conspiracy theorists, other websites, and things like that. We should probably start with you know what is the theory what do people think happened according to the theory so there are actually lots of different like permutations of the moon hoax theory as people often call it but in general it's believed by conspiracy theorists that the US government they were like really desperate to beat the Russians in the space race so they faked the lunar landings and Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin acted out the mission on a secret film set Oh, and that's like the general theory, but the details change depending on who you ask. Um, Oh, okay. All right. I'm intrigued. Something a lot of theorists feel like is important is that the photos and videos of the Apollo missions are only available through NASA. So there's no independent verification that the lunar landings were anything but a hoax. Not that I I don't think so, because on the actual moon, there was no like, news oh companies yeah no up it's not like they could it. like put reporters up on the moon yeah no, no so um, yeah it was all nasa so it basically to some extent it does rely on you trusting what nasa says and can we trust nasa well <laughs> let's find out so that's sort of what the theory is okay. and then i wanted to sort of present to you like different arguments for why the why that's correct and why okay, the yeah. moon landings are fake all right I am ready to be convinced of something I don't believe. So the first four points I've got here, they're to do with being able to get to or not being able to get to the moon, as well as a couple of miscellaneous points. And then the last five are to do with pictures and videos that were taken on the moon. And I just wanted to show you some pictures. So I'm just going to get the slideshow up. And for anyone listening, if you head over to our link tree, 
which you can just search linktr.ee slash my three cents. And then on the link tree, if you click on the episode slides link, you'll be taken to a website where you'll be able to access these slides and have a look at the pictures. But if you're somewhere where you can't do that, we'll be like describing what the pictures look like. So it's not necessary, but just something nice to have if you wanted to. So now we've got the slides up, I wanted to start off with our first point. And that is that the first moon landing was achieved with less computing power than a cell phone or a calculator. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. A calculator? No. A calculator today, yeah. So that's, cal- okay. First of all, <laughs> there's no way that they got someone to the moon using like less pa- power, was it? Than a calculator? Less computing power, yeah. Less computing power than a calculator. Mm, well what and like the power of friendship how did they pull this off (laughs) that is the question isn't it I mean yeah that's what I'm here to find out I mean I'm here to find out why they didn't pull it off so let's that's true please continue yeah on Apollo 11 so there was a computer called the Apollo guidance computer and yeah they really tried hard with that one and the RAM, which stands for random access memory, and this is just like data that's stored temporarily. It's lost when there's mm. no power. The Apollo computer had 32,778 bits of RAM. And then if you compare that to the average phone today, it has around four gigabytes of RAM, which is equivalent to 34,359,738,368 oh and what? I put it on the table on the PowerPoint so you can like see the number comparison. Yeah, there's no way that that tiny little 32 bits of RAM uh, was enough for an entire spaceship to the moon. That just seems, I don't know, it seems sketchy. It does seem a bit sketchy, especially because they also only had 589,824 bits of what is called read-only memory, which is kind of like the storage, more like permanent storage, so that that's programmed and it can't be changed. And so that was 500,000 bits on the Apollo guidance computer. And then compare that to a phone today, they can have up to or more 512 gigabytes, which is equivalent to 4 trillion 398 billion 46 million 511,104 bits um okay (laughs) I think that yeah that really kind of puts that into into perspective having these numbers next to each other just make the Apollo guidance computer look like it could maybe barely toast a piece of bread like If, if you were lucky like, if on a good lucky. day. Oh, yeah, no, maybe, like, just for your birthday. <laughs> what? <laughs> the last thing that I wanted to talk about was the processor. So the Apollo guidance computer had a processor which ran at 0.043 megahertz, which doesn't sound mm-hmm. like a lot, and that's no. because an iPhone 7 has 2,340 of them. Oh, well, that's interesting. That sounds, okay. And that's an iPhone 7 as well, so not even close to That's an iPhone 7. Yeah, iPhone 7. So that's 2016. Huh. And, And okay, 0.043 megahertz is, like, 
nothing. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And then as the icing on top of the cake, many, if not most, calculators today have dozens times more RAM and thousands times more ROM than the Apollo guidance computer did. Just like your run-of-the-mill calculator. Like a standard, like, scientific calculator. Oh, so my CAS calculator has more, like, RAM and ROM than this computer. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, and that kind of begs the question, like, how could Apollo 11 possibly have even left Earth, let alone reached the moon and gotten back safely? And you have to remember, they had to have the power to do that, as well as, like, navigating to the moon. So... Yeah, like, just leaving Earth's atmosphere alone. Like, how? How does this work? The next point that a lot of conspiracy theorists make is that if we really went to the moon in 1969, why have we never been back? Oh. so I mean, is there anything up there? Well, you would think that, you know, there's always more to discover and we're better equipped with technology now. So surely we could maybe, you know, perform more tests or like find that's, more that's true and also and, I'm honestly surprised that there isn't like a satellite up there by now yeah I mean I I don't know what's up there so I can't comment <laughs> on that one <laughs> um we certainly didn't cover the whole surface of the moon in that one trip so yeah I just think that that one's something that just kind of yeah. makes you wonder and also it's been over 50 years too oh has it Oh, yeah, no, I remember the anniversary being pretty... Yeah. Like, a couple of years ago. Yeah, and we just, like, didn't go back. It's the closest... Okay, I guess maybe if NASA was, like, really focusing on Mars at the moment, it would make sense that they wouldn't want to, like, waste resources on the moon if they're, like, pretty sure there's nothing up there. But also, it is the closest thing to Earth, so I'm a little bit surprised that there hasn't been, like, another trip. I don't know, it just, it just seems like something that would have happened yeah logically and then I mean speaking of getting to the moon the point that's often made is that a lot of people don't think that the astronauts could have survived the Van Allen belts so what is that so if you this is a little diagram of them this is on slide three of the powerpoint if you're interested you know what are the Van Allen belts Well, they are basically, they're two concentric rings of energy particles that surround Earth. And um, so you can kind of see in the diagram, there's like a smaller one on the inside and then a bigger one on the outside. Oh, yeah. So the inner one is um, predominantly made of protons and then the outer belt is predominantly electrons. And they're basically rings of radiation. They're just known as the Van Allen belts or the Van Allen radiation belts. Okay, so what do these Um, do? Okay, so Professor Anu Oja, I hope I pronounced that right, apologies if I didn't, who is one of the directors of the National Space Centre, he describes the belts as, quote, regions surrounding the Earth in our magnetic field where high energy trapped particles from the sun tend to get confined. And he also said that, quote, what that means is if you were going into these regions, there are extremely high radiation concerns. So I guess, yeah, considering that there are like two rings of radiation, you have to not only pass through them to get out of Earth's orbit, you have to come back through them on your way back to Earth. 
you'd have to protect like the astronauts somehow against that amount of radiation. And I don't know if just like the outside of a spaceship would be enough to do that, considering like this sheer density of these particles that seem to be um, in these rings. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And so a NASA engineer himself has actually said that they can't get past the Van Allen belt. What? Wait. Yeah, NASA engineer Kelly Smith said that, quote, radiation like this could harm the guidance systems onboard computers or other electronics. So basically it's not only the astronauts in danger, but this radiation can also damage the computers and the spacecraft itself. So, you know, there's like not, there's multiple concerns with this. And, you know, as I said, you have to go through them twice. Yeah, you have to go out and you have to come back in safely and like still function as a craft like how does that even work okay okay um and then another point that i came across is that nasa supposedly accidentally lost 14,000 reels of scientific data from the supposed moon landing oh oh they just lost it did they yeah pretty convenient listen things you lose are like (laughs) your keys or maybe a map or your sanity but scientific data is not generally something that you just not 14,000 reels of it yeah oh that's a lot so in 2005 NASA searched for and couldn't locate some of the like original Apollo 11 data tapes so NASA has said that they couldn't find them they just lost them (laughs) just they just (laughs) misplaced them you know it happens and, I mean, it wasn't even like they lost them in a fire or something, which, you know, you could do intentionally, but if it was an accident, is unavoidable. Like, there was no explanation yeah. given like that. Like, they it just lost just, them. Just disappeared into thin air. Okay, NASA, sure. If someone had maybe intentionally destroyed them, I would understand. But, like, people, but, like, if NASA had, if they, if NASA had run an investigation for that, which I assume that they would because, the moon landing was something like so significant you would want that kind of data for future reference just the fact that that went missing is mind-boggling to me because yeah how how does this happen don't know so those first four points were more to do with like getting to the moon or you know just and logistics yeah and miscellaneous like you know miscellaneous like losing data but then so we've got five more points and these are all to do with photos that were supposedly taken on the moon oh okay we've got receipts let's let's hear this (laughs) so this um is on slide four and (laughs) you know what this photo looks like it looks like a 12-year-old has just recently discovered that they can take photos of their own shadow and are taking photos of themselves taking a photo of their shadow at the beach. That's what this photo looks like. Uh, it's an astronaut's silhouette and on the far right of the picture is presumably a pole of some kind and it's they're both, both of their shadows are reaching out into what is probably sand dust pretty much and so the question that people have with this photo is that if the sun is the only light source shouldn't these shadows be parallel because they're both things that are standing upright on the moon's surface and they look really suspiciously like these shadows were caused from 
um, caused by lighting from multiple different angles in a film studio. You know what? I'm looking at this shadow on the left, like the silhouette of the astronaut, Mm. and not only does it not look like it's on the ground, like if you look at the pole next to it, it's pretty obviously like meant to be going along the ground, like it moves with the surface. Yeah. But this one shadow of the silhouette is just like a block and it's not even opaque. Yeah, it almost looks like it's lifting off the photo. It looks like it's been copy and pasted onto the top of this photo, actually. (laughs) Yeah, so I guess this, this photo, there's actually two photos um, to do with, you know, shadows in the moon landing. Photos being and looking just wrong and not how they should be, considering that the sun is the only light source. We've got another one on the next slide. So, yeah, do you want to just maybe describe what you're seeing in this photo? So uh, it's a photo of an astronaut stepping off the lunar module onto the surface of the moon yeah and there are no stars which is really weird actually yeah actually that's something we're going to talk about next oh okay so it's not just lines that aren't parallel but probably should be you know it's possible to see certain objects in multiple photos despite them being in the shadow so you can see on the ground of this photo there's a shadow from the lunar module it's pretty dark pretty dark shadow you can't really see anything through it yeah and then also on the lunar module itself you can see that the side that we're looking at is in the shadow but the astronaut is so clearly illuminated oh by what you can only assume is some sort of other light source like a studio light or Mm. Yeah, that is like that's that's really good lighting. It's not very gonna good lie, lighting. that's like professional lighting. And unless they have like a whole camera team up there with them on the moon with like a ring light, that looks a little too good. Yeah, I mean, especially because you can see how clearly everything else is just really dark in shadow, and then that's just like bright white. Also, hold on, hold on. Can we just pause for a second? Something doesn't mm. add up here because if the light from the sun is supposed to be like beating directly downwards then why is the top of the astronauts pack not illuminated i mean or even the at, helmet? at first i thought it was because uh maybe it was being obstructed by the lunar module but the rest of the suit is just so clearly illuminated almost like there's a light coming from like low low down onto yeah, the astronaut. it looks like there's a low angle light it just does it just looks so crisp it looks almost clearer than my eyesight Yeah, no, it just looks that little bit too good. And unless the sun on the moon is just that bright. So there's two light sources in this image. I mean, yeah, it definitely looks like it. Yeah. And then actually you already mentioned this, that there's no stars. Yeah, it's Um, just black. So I actually have another picture that illustrates this even clearer. Yeah, so this next photo is on slide six. And do you want to just describe what you're seeing? Yeah, so I'm seeing the surface of the moon and an astronaut. And just no stars, just a black sky, which is very interesting because we can see stars from Earth, so we're, like, pretty sure they're out there. Why are there none here? Yeah, and it's not like, you know, maybe you just can't see them well. Like, it's black, like, fully the sky is just... Yeah, for a moment I thought I saw something, but that's just dust particles on my computer screen. (laughs) There's nothing there. Yeah. At least the lighting looks right in this photo. That's something. Kind of. That's something they had going for them this time around. Yeah. And when you think about on Earth, sometimes, you know, there's clouds to interrupt the view, but there's no clouds on the moon. There's nothing to block the view of the stars. Yeah. The moon does not have an atmosphere. 
there should be stars and the fact that there aren't is just unsettling it's unsettling you know like the Mm. uncanny valley effect this isn't quite like that but it feels like when you look into darkness you should see stars there like even in a polluted city you can see some stars but looking out on the surface of a moon that has no stars just pitch darkness it's just very unsettling and it just feels wrong and also artificial yeah it it feels like there was something missing yeah and some people think that nasa realized that they wouldn't have been able to accurately recreate the lunar sky and there could have been mistakes that people could have picked them up on so they just chose (laughs) so they just decided to make it blank yeah it was all or nothing i guess presumably there um their thought process with that was like, you know, if there was a mistake in it, people would pull them up people on it. But they got pulled up on it much more by having nothing. <laughs> because being pulled up on an error in what the stars look like from the moon requires conspiracy theorists to know what the stars look like from the moon. Uh, I can't see the Venn diagram of people knowing what the night sky looks like and conspiracy theorists overlapping very much at all. So this next photo is on slide seven. And... People rock. Yes, rock. Basically, people (laughs) think that this looks suspiciously like a rock prop labelled with a C so that they (gasps) don't forget where to put it. Um, And I guess if I just describe it quickly, it's just kind of like a mostly flat moon-looking surface with a couple pebble-looking things and then just a big rock with a C shape on it. (laughs) Why does it look like that and like the seed doesn't look organic no like it looks added and man-made the sea looks just so obviously yeah like a sea it just doesn't add up no and the sea is just what gets me it looks like a prop i don't know if like seriously i'm really confused by this rock why is it like this so that one's you know That one's pretty short and sweet. It looks like a prop that was placed there. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So then we've just got two more. So the next one is on slide eight. And it's basically the same photo as earlier, actually just an astronaut stepping off the, um, stepping off the lunar uh, module. Yeah. The question is, who took this photo of Neil Armstrong stepping onto the moon if he was the first man on the moon? The answer is obviously the alien welcoming party. And then they emailed NASA the photo. Yeah, no, obviously. So this photo is apparently of Neil Armstrong? Yes. That's what's being claimed. Yes. They weren't smart enough to make it the second man on the moon coming off the moon as photographed by Neil Armstrong. No, this is Neil Armstrong. Yes. They set up a tripod and then went back to walk down it so it looked natural. (laughs) You know, how YouTubers do, you know. Although the... The um, moon landing was broadcast, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. There was um, the lunar module, which is what he's climbing down off, was the only bit, you know, like sent down to the moon. So there wasn't some other thing attached that came off and went over to take the photo or anything like that. Yeah, no, this is really confusing me because if they're claiming that this is Neil Armstrong, there's no way that a photo could have been taken of him as he was walking down onto the surface of the moon. If he was the first one there, it just doesn't work. Like, the logistics just don't work. No. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's, that's all I got, apparently. <laughs> no, they do not. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, these last few points are pretty straightforward. There's not a lot to say about them because, you know, you look at a photo and it doesn't add up and that's that's that. And then we have one more photo. Okay. Um, so I'm on intrigued. slide nine. Oh, would you look at that? It's the American flag. It is. Is the American flag is waving it? in the wind that doesn't mm-hmm. exist? Mm-hmm. Why is it doing that? So as you know, as we established earlier, there's no atmosphere on the moon. So therefore there's no wind. Um, and you know, in this you can see the flag is clearly fluttering. And one of the main yeah. Um, debunking arguments for this is that while the astronauts were putting the flag down they like twisted it side to side and made it look like it's fluttering Um, and you know in the video of that you can see that happening but if that's the case you know why is it still fluttering when the astronaut no longer touching it looking at this flag so I can see that they've put um, an extension pole at the top to like straighten the flag out because otherwise it would just drop flat against the wind and it wouldn't have like the aesthetic that they want um yeah. which is you know that's that patriotic symbol of the flag like flying in the wind and you know how like tents are held up by those kinds of wires it looks like maybe uh they could have put something down in like the seams of the flag and then bunched it but that still there doesn't was... work yeah no I looked into it and it's just the rod across the top it's and just the nothing rod. going down yeah yeah, no, because that should be, like, hanging limp. Even with the rod across the top, that should just be, like, hanging like that. There is no wind on the Yeah, I mean, especially with work. the rod across the top, it should be. Yeah, it should just be flat. flat. It would look nice. It would look like the nice little clean rectangle flag. And this almost look, looks worse. It looks like it hasn't been ironed, actually, that. It basically well. does. For <laughs> anyone who is not looking at the photo, it basically <laughs> looks like a flag that hasn't been ironed. It's a pretty good this summary of it. Has never seen a washing machine in its life. Um, and it probably never will consider is it still up on the moon? I believe so. Although apparently um all the colours been like bleached from it, so now it's just like a white flag. That is ooh, the metaphor. I love, I love <laughs> yeah, we could dive metaphor. into that one. <laughs> Literature teachers everywhere right now are getting ready for an analysis. Okay, that's really interesting. Okay, that is, there's no wind there. What are you doing, flag? Yeah, basically. And this was one of the most um, prominent points I found, you know, to support yeah. the conspiracy theory because almost any website you go on looking for looking for reasons why the moon landing was faked will tell you this. It's a... Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is actually really quite convincing. Because there's no way that should be flapping. No, it really shouldn't. All right. So okay. that brings us to the end of all the points for why the moon landing was fake. Okay. And I guess now it's time to, you know, hear your thoughts. Did I convince you? Are you still skeptical? You've been very convincing. Not going to lie. Going into this, I thought, that I would come out of this being like, yeah, no way. The moon landing was definitely real. And I still, I still believe that the moon landing probably wasn't faked, but I also wouldn't rule out the possibility that the U S was like so determined to beat the Russians at the space race that they had to get to the moon first 
and were like determined enough to fake it, I wouldn't be surprised. It's actually the stars that get me the most, like the flag as well, but the stars just baffle me. And while I'm not actively going to become a um, the moon landing was fake conspiracy theorist, if hypothetically in like 50 years, NASA were to come out and say like, hey, by the way, we faked the whole thing, I wouldn't be surprise this has put me into an existential crisis julianne if there's anything you've achieved here it is that you have put me in an existential crisis cheers for that you know what? i think oh i'll take yeah. it i'll take that as a you compliment think, no you've definitely um what you have achieved in doing is like shaking the absolutely sure part of me like i'm still pretty pretty convinced that like it would probably be real but also I'm not sure anymore you'd be a lot I would call that a success you'd be a lot less willing to bet on it now than you were at the beginning of this oh yeah no I would not bet money on it okay cool yeah no I would not bet on this okay I am uncertain to the point where I would not bet on this so you have managed to at the very least make me think that there's something that I don't know about this um and I am I'm conspiracying I'm conspiracying really (laughs) that's what you've got great it's like my gut is telling me not to believe this because it's a conspiracy theory and then like the other half of my gut is saying that this is really really suspicious that makes sense I think because I think a lot of people have this like inherent, what's the word? Refusal? Um, no, inherent like just suspicion and um, oh, a little bit of an yeah. aversion to conspiracy theories. Yeah. Makes sense. So, you know, anyone listening, if you know anything about the moon landing, I can imagine so many of you were probably rolling your eyes at some of the arguments that I made. And rightly so, because I'm about to debunk every single thing I just said. (laughs) (laughs) Why is this so on brand? You would really just turn around in the middle of a conspiracy theory and go, guess why all all of the things I just said are wrong? You would. You would do that. So I love a good debunking. Um, So I'm going to go through, I guess, point by point and basically just, as I said, debunk the arguments that I made. Oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. Okay. (laughs) I guess let's just jump right into this. So the first argument that I made was that the first moon landing was achieved with less computing power than a cell phone or a calculator. Yeah. So I think it's important to remember that just because your phone has more computing power than Apollo 11 did, it doesn't mean that the computing power of Apollo 11 wasn't enough. Oh. So I guess an analogy for that would be, say you have a one litre bucket and if you get a litre of water, it's going to fill the bucket and it's going to do it perfectly. You know, the bucket is going to be full. You're going to succeed in the task, in the goal of filling the bucket. Hmm. But then say you have a one litre bucket and 50 litres of water. That is going to complete the task. And... 49 more liters that you didn't need. I see. Okay. So, so it's like that. Yeah. So just because 
you know, just because the Apollo guidance computer had less power than a phone doesn't mean it doesn't mean that we needed all the computing power of a phone. Okay. So the Apollo guidance computer was actually really revolutionary for its time. And although it seems kind of primitive compared to today's technology that, you know, we have available literally at our fingertips, it was a really highly influential piece of tech that got us to the moon and along with some other early NASA technology was actually highly influential in the creation and furthering of Silicon Valley. So this tech was actually super formative for, you know, tech as a whole. And if you're looking at the slide on slide 10, there's kind of a copper kind of colored block looking thing. So that was the Apollo guidance computer. There were two of these on the Apollo 11 mission. So one was on the command module, which is what housed the astronauts for most of the journey. And then one was on the lunar module, which is what actually took them to the surface. And the astronauts controlled the computers through the DISKY, which is actually an acronym. It's D-S-K-Y and short for display and keyboard and it's pictured on the slide next to the Apollo guidance computer and it really was not much more than a numeric keypad and this was all they had actually to control the computer. So they had to remember which number corresponded with the verbs and nouns that made up every command and there's actually a DISCI simulator online Um, which is linked on slide 11 of the PowerPoint if you're interested. So you can head over, give Disky a try for yourself. I'm actually really impressed by the fact that that was enough to get humans to the moon. Like it's blowing my mind a little bit. It's pretty impressive. And so they used basically the Apollo guidance computer and the Disky. And then they had a sextant, which is just a navigation instrument. And it measures the angular distance between two visible objects. So the primary use of a sextant is to measure the angle between an astronomical object and the horizon. So there's a picture of it on slide 12 if you're interested. And yeah, so this is what they used to navigate to the moon, which is pretty impressive if you ask me. And then as well as this, there was actually plenty of people and computers guiding them from mission control. So It was a huge operation with some really revolutionary technology for the time and it got them to the moon. No way. You know what? I'm actually like happy that this has been debunked because that's just so cool that humans managed to do that, like with like the limited technology they had access to. Like that's, that's really cool. And then the question of if we really went to the moon in 1969, why have we never been back? We have. What? <laughs> when? Why did no one tell me this? <laughs> so there was Apollo 11, which we've been talking about um, throughout this episode. So that was 1969. And then actually in the same year, Apollo 12 landed on the moon. And then in oh, 71, what? Apollo 14. Um, and 71, also Apollo 15. And then in 1972, what? Apollo 16 and 17. So not only have <sighs> we been back, we have been back five times oh my god how did I not know about this it's fine I didn't know either until I looked into it and then you know yes we've been back but why haven't we been back since 1972 Mm. short answer geopolitics 
Oh. For the US, a large part of the goal was to win the race to put man on the moon. And so they turned their focus to the space shuttle program and the International Space Station, which actually has been permanently inhabited by a team of astronauts since November of the year 2000. Yeah, they've been focusing on different things. And as well as this, NASA doesn't have the budget for it anymore. And because there's nothing that we like need to do on the moon at the moment, it's just not a top priority. Um, I guess for context on the budget aspect, the Apollo program cost a total of about $25.4 billion. Which oh, in, wow. Yeah, and in today's money, if you account for inflation, is about $152 billion, which then comes closer to about $200 billion in Australian dollars, um, uh-huh. I guess, for context. So, right. Yeah. Well, not really something that NASA can afford to do anymore. Yeah. So on all those trips we did do to the moon. So how did we get past the Van Allen belts? Yeah, I would like to know that. Um, That same professor that I mentioned earlier, Professor Anu Ojo, um, he explains this in a way that's actually really easy to understand. He compares crossing through the Van Allen belts to firewalking. And he says, quote, if you've ever done firewalking, you know the one thing you don't do is linger around in the middle of the fire pit. You cross as quickly as you can. From a science point of view, as long as you walk across quite quickly, looking at the thermal conductivity of your feet, you're not going to have enough thermal energy going into the soles of your feet to burn you. You're absolutely fine. Oh. Just don't hang around in the middle. Oh, um, yeah. And then, um, which I think is a really good analogy to compare it to because it's easy to I guess, visualize. And then he goes on to say that in a similar way, the transit time through the Van Allen radiation belt right at the beginning of the Apollo voyages was incredibly short. Traveling through the Van Allen radiation belt, if you're going fast enough, which you need to be if you're going to the moon, is no problem whatsoever. That actually makes complete sense. And I'm impressed. It's like an annoyingly simple explanation. It is like it's so simple that I like I feel like I should have thought of it instantly yeah. upon hearing it. I mean, like, now that this... I know that, it makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Like a lot of this debunking is annoyingly simple. And then also, I mentioned a quote from NASA engineer Kelly Smith. So not only was that quote incomplete, I didn't tell you the whole quote. It was also referring to Orion and not Apollo Eleven. Not oh, what. Like Orion is in the constellation. Orion is a class of partially reusable space capsules for NASA's human space flight programs. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So the first bit of the quote that I told you was, radiation like this could harm the guidance systems on board computers or other electronics. But if we finish the quote, it goes, or other electronics on Orion. Naturally, we will have to pass through the danger zone twice, once up and once back. But Orion has protection. Shielding will be put to the test as the vehicle cuts through the waves of radiation. Sensors aboard will record radiation levels for scientists to study. We must solve these challenges before we send people through this region of space. So he's not saying that we can't pass through the Van Allen belts. He's just saying that they need to make sure the radiation shielding on Orion is adequate before they send people through. I don't believe this. Um, When I found this quote, I, if I remember correctly, a conspiracy theorist was using this quote as evidence they couldn't have got to the moon. But if you actually look at the whole quote, look at it properly, he never says that they can't pass through. And not only that, He's not even talking about Apollo 11. So it literally would have taken like two more words. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Also the fact that I bought that so easily. 
slightly scares me. Like the fact that I was like, yeah, that seems like a real quote from NASA. You have tricked me. I think it's almost like a human instinct. You know, you're told, oh, NASA engineer. Who am I to question that? You know? Yeah. But yeah. The next point that I made was that NASA accidentally lost 14,000 reels of scientific data from the supposed moon landing. So what actually happened in this scenario was around 2005, NASA searched for but couldn't locate some of the original Apollo 11 data tapes. And there was an intensive search of archives and records. And from that search, they concluded that the most likely scenario was that the program managers determined there was no longer a need to keep the tapes since all the video and data was recorded elsewhere. So they were erased and oh. reused. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Understandable. Um, yeah, so not only that, the search discovered high-quality broadcast versions of the footage. Um Because during the mission, the data on those tapes, which included video data, was relayed to the Manned Spacecraft Center, which is now known as the Johnson Space Center, and other locations. So there is no missing video footage from the Apollo 11 moonwalk. Wow. Context. As for that 14,000 number, from what I can tell, it was just plucked out of thin air by conspiracy theorists. Oh, cool. All right. Cheers, guys. Thanks for choosing a random number and then going with it i'm not surprised i'm not particularly surprised either now what i really want to know is these photos how are you going to debunk these there's like where are the stars do you want to do the stars first yes okay so basically all of the exposures and the photos of the astronauts on the moon are daylight exposures the surface was really brightly illuminated and the astronauts are wearing like really bright white spacesuits that are highly reflective. So the camera shutters just weren't open for long enough to pick up the stars because then the other parts of the image would have been overexposed. So shutter speed. So it's literally just exposure. Yeah, it just, the shutter wow. wasn't open for long enough and the light from the stars wasn't bright enough for the daylight exposures. It's just so simple. It's really annoyingly simple oh yeah that's really like frustratingly simple okay (laughs) I feel deceived good job (laughs) good job you've succeeded at your task I was so confused as to why there weren't any stars but yeah it's literally just the exposure yeah all of the um photo explanations are super simple so the incorrect shadows in the photos yeah. The um, non-parallel shadows, it's not because of any sort of strange lighting. It's purely because of perspective and it can be recreated on Earth. No. That's what happens when you're taking something no. that occurs on a three-dimensional plane and reducing it down to a two-dimensional plane. Artists have been using it for centuries. It's how you, oh my God. your eye and your brain knows that things are, you know, going further away. I should have seen this coming. So that one, another annoyingly simple debunking. And then also there was the shadows that seemed wrong, um, considering that the sun was the only source of light. Yeah. The sun wasn't the only source of light. Knew it. Richard Fienberg, who is the American Astronomical Society's press officer with a PhD in astronomy, so I'm assuming he knows what he's talking about, says that the lunar ground is actually another source of illumination because it reflects the sun's light. And 
In the Apollo 11 pictures, quote, the sunlight is being scattered or reflected off the ground every which way, and some of it, a small fraction, but enough to be able to see, scatters into the shadows. <sighs> it's, they literally just used the moon's surface as a reflector. No, I'm frustrated that, by this because I literally just did a uni assignment that involved using a reflector to bounce a light off a wall or off the floor from the sun to be able to properly illuminate a subject. I just did something like this and that didn't occur to me. Okay, all right. <laughs> you quit. That, that's it. You're done. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to walk um, out of this podcast right now. Um, not that this is you know, rigorous scientific testing, but Mythbusters actually did a test on this and they recreated basically that picture I showed you with the shadow. They recreated it on a small scale and took a photo and it was illuminated pretty much the same way. So, well, if, if you trust Mythbusters, Mythbusters yeah, I trust Mythbusters. <laughs> I really do. As far as I'm concerned, that is highly scientific and I will take their word uh for truth so if Mythbusters did it all right moon landing was real I'll take it I question the Mythbusters no you can't do that that that's the day society crumbles when you start questioning the Mythbusters not the day we believe the moon landing was faked the day we question the Mythbusters exactly (laughs) so then we had that rock prop labeled with a c oh yeah so the C isn't on the original negatives. Oh, come on. If you want to see the photo, um, it's on slide 13. It's basically the same photo, but there's no C. And there are two potential explanations for this. It's not clear what one it is, but the C is believed to either be um, a hair fiber that ended up on the negative before they oh. reproduced the photo again. Or alternatively, some people think it was added in intentionally with like a Photoshop type editing to try and convince people the moon landing was fake. Either way, it's not in the original image, in the original negative or the print, and it's been debunked. Wow. All right. I feel like a fool. This next one is probably the most simple debunking. So who films Neil Armstrong stepping onto the moon? That's Buzz Aldrin in the photo. I knew it. No, I, okay. Yeah, there's no way it could have been Neil Armstrong. It had to have been, yeah. All right, all right. But, I mean, if it makes you feel any better, there actually Mm. is a photo of Neil Armstrong stepping onto the moon. Uh Oh. Um, It's a pretty haunting photo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. This is him. High quality. That's him. And there was a camera that was attached to the descent module, and before it he went down the ladder, like... he pulled a cord and it just triggered the recording. And I think this example actually does a really <laughs> does like a really good job of illustrating one of the major issues with conspiracy theories because often they're like just based on fallacy. So people can say anything they want and state it as fact. And typically mm-hmm. people will believe it without doing their own research. Mm-hmm. 30 seconds of Googling will tell you that that photo isn't of Neil Armstrong. But most people are just going to see the photo, be told that, and just move on and spend the rest of their life, you know, thinking that that was Neil Armstrong in the photo. So I think it really highlights just how important fact-checking is. Wow. Also, that looks like it was taken from, like, a potato. 
high quality <laughs> high quality imagery the photo is on slide 14 just if anyone's interested just in case you want to see the grainy blob of neil armstrong going onto the moon yourself yeah highly recommend this this has been an experience of an image to witness no but this, this is actually really cool um i like this one better like the explanation or the photo <laughs> no i like this photo better because of what it is mm. i like this one better because it's the actual photo of neil armstrong going onto the moon rather than the one that i was convinced about and i think you know it is a pretty low quality image the toaster in my kitchen could probably do a better job. <laughs> but, you know, I think it is a piece of history and it's pretty cool. Yeah. In that sense. Nice. I agree. Now we're up to our final point, the flag waving in the wind. Okay. I need to know about this one. Okay. So. Explain yourself. <laughs> so this first bit isn't actually necessarily relevant to the flag waving, but just something that we should clarify. The moon actually does have an atmosphere. It's very tenuous, but it is there. And this isn't actually related to the flag waving or not waving. It's just a factual inaccuracy in the conspiracy theory. Okay. But then in the video, so while the astronauts are putting the flag in the the moon's surface, it moves as though it's flapping in the wind. And, you know, as I said earlier, that's just because it's moving back and forth so that they could kind of dig the flagpole into the moon's surface. Yeah. But why is it still fluttering when they're not touching it anymore? So as we talked about, there's a rod across the top. So this was actually a telescopic rod and... Obviously, it was supposed to be extended fully, but it got stuck because it had a coating on it that on the journey to the moon, it almost like welded to itself is the best way to describe it. So they couldn't extend it fully. So it was kind of bent and it was crinkled because it had kind of been shoved down and for the (laughs) journey to the moon. They didn't iron it first. So (laughs) yeah, when you look at the photo with that knowledge, you can tell, you know, it is just kind of scrunched up and it's not, it's just bent. Yeah, it's just scrunched. Yeah. It looks like, yeah, it looks like the flag was forgotten and like the part of your car that things fall down there. (laughs) That's where it was hiding. That's where they pulled it out from. There we have it. Every point I made to try and convince you that the moon landing was fake, just completely debunked. Wow. No, you really had me there for a second. I'm not going to lie. For a minute there, I was so confused why there weren't any stars that I was almost ready to believe that this whole thing was a hoax. And then you really turned around and said, now let me debunk everything I've convinced you of. This has been an emotional roller coaster. I feel like I've got mental whiplash. I'm going to need days just to recover from the psychological trip that I just went on. Thanks. Thanks for that. No problem. Anytime. If it wasn't already clear, I would like to make it clear that I do not subscribe to this theory. Um, Yeah, I would like to also take a second to make that completely clear. I do not subscribe to the moon landing conspiracy. I just also wanted to talk about the origins of this theory. So where it came from, how it was popularised. Um, Because I actually think it's the way this theory really came about is quite interesting, I think, because 
It first really became apparent when the book titled We Never Went to the Moon, America's $30 billion Swindle was self-published by Bill Casing. (laughs) Bill. Yeah, Bill. You started this. Thanks, Bill. (laughs) So who was Bill Casing? Bill was a former U.S. Navy officer with a Bachelor of Arts in English. He had no knowledge of rockets or technical writing, but despite this, he was hired as a senior technical writer in 1956 <laughs> by Rocketdyne, which is the company that built the F1 engines used on the Saturn V rocket. And he served as the head of technical publications unit at the company's propulsion field laboratory until 1963. So it seems like he did a lot of things he wasn't qualified to do, not just the publishing of the book. <laughs> And it was the many allegations in Casing's book that effectively like really began the discussion of the moon landings being faked. So the book claims that the chance of a successful crewed landing on the moon was calculated to be 0.0017% and that despite close monitoring by the USSR, it would have been easier for NASA to fake the moon landings than to really go there. He Hmm. also commented on things like, you know, what we discussed, like the stars aren't visible in the pictures, the way the shadows fall. Um, And he also talked about the lack of a blast crater under the landing module. And this is the reason that that occurred is it's just to do with the way thrust works in a vacuum is the explanation for that one. Yeah, no, there wouldn't have been a blast crater. No. Yeah, another simple debunking. (laughs) Um, So then moving on from casing... In 1980, the Flat Earth Society, a really um, reputable source, um, accused NASA of faking the landings. And so they argued that they were staged by Hollywood with Walt Disney sponsorship. That's so specific. I know. It gets more specific. And that it was based on a script by Arthur C. Clarke and directed by Stanley Kubrick. (laughs) Wow, they were really writing up credits. Yeah, they really, they planned this whole thing out. (laughs) And the reason they chose those two people is that Clark and Kubrick actually co-wrote the script for 2001 A Space Odyssey. Mm. And Clark was a science fiction writer, futurist, inventor, (laughs) etc. So... Yeah, that's what the, oh. so, you know. and I mean, if the society, Flat Earth Society <laughs> says so. It must be true. Absolutely. I'm spreading that really kind of, like, added fuel to the fire that was already happening. Mm-hmm. So, and then it's been suggested by folklorist Linda Digg, I'm hoping I'm saying that right, that the film Capricorn One, um, which showed a hoaxed journey to Mars in a spacecraft that looks identical to the Apollo craft, might have given a boost to the hoax theory's popularity around like the post-Vietnam War era. So that, um, yeah, so I guess also the idea of faked journeys into space was something kind of pretty pretty prominent in pop culture, it seems. Hmm. So, so it was like that in didn't social help. Consciousness. Today, there's actually even a subreddit called r slash moon hoax. Of course there where is. Where believers of this theory, they kind of discuss their opinions and share quote unquote facts. And <laughs> also just generally talk about how stupid people who believe we went to the moon are. Oh, cool, cool. Um, Sounds like a really friendly place. I think it's interesting. I tried initially to use just you know websites other than like discussion forums to find why people thought the moon landings were faked 
Yeah. But pretty much every website was just why they weren't faked. Oh, okay. It was actually yeah. pretty hard to find something that wasn't debunking claims. So huh. it actually ended up being Reddit, which super <laughs> reliable resource. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. I was able to, like, even find, you know, find claims and things like the claim about the 14,000 tapes. Yeah, I don't think it originated in Reddit, but it was certainly spread yeah mm-hmm. spread and circulated mm-hmm. through reddit so i think you know if if something you believe so strongly in the existence relies on something like reddit maybe it's not something yeah maybe you should be <laughs> <laughs> questioning that just a little bit <laughs> and you know it was actually really hard to find enough points to prove that the moon landing was faked because I guess some of them are so weak that I really had to bolster them with (laughs) some pretty dodgy pieces of uninformation Mm. yeah so and I just wanted to finish this off with just like sort of a general I guess discussion or comment on the importance of like thinking for yourself and not just it and not just believing something because you're told it. And I think that a lot of conspiracy theorists take the angle that by believing in the conspiracy theory, they're thinking for themselves. But I think that a lot of the time that's thinking for yourself for the sake of doing it, not because there's an actual reason to. Yeah. So yeah, please fact check everything and do your own research. I'm begging you. We all have Google. We can all use it. Let's all do our own research. Thank you and good night. All right, that brings us to the end of the very first episode of My Three Cents. We really hope you enjoyed, and if you did, it would be amazing if you come back for the next episode. We're planning on uploading every two weeks, and I promise that not every episode is going to be conspiracy theory based, so if that's not really your thing, next episode is going to be completely different, and we're kind of hoping to really mix it up most episodes, so there'll be something new and exciting to tune in for. And with that being said, to wrap this up, we wanted to finish with an idea that I actually saw on the Wooden Spoon podcast, which I highly recommend if you haven't listened to The Wooden Spoon. It's a great podcast if you're just looking for a little bit of extra motivation or maybe a new perspective on productivity. But at the end of every episode, what they do is they all recommend a song and then they add it to a Spotify playlist that kind of grows over time. So we decided to do that. So obviously at the moment, the playlist will only have two songs on it. But if you keep checking back in, that'll grow and eventually turn into a fully formed playlist. So Sophia, did you want to start us off just by giving us your recommendation? Yeah, so my song recommendation for this week is Greek Tragedy by The Wombats. It's a song I've been listening to recently and it just has great vibes and I would very much recommend. And then I'm going to have to recommend Middle of Love by Jake Wesley Rogers. It's a song that I discovered pretty recently, but I've been absolutely loving. It's on repeat and I can't get enough of it, so would definitely recommend it. And then just a quick little self-promo, if you're interested, we'd love it if you could head over to our Instagram, which is just at my3centspodcast, or if you wanted to check us out on any other platforms, you can head over to our link tree, which is just linktr.ee slash my3cents, and pretty much any platform we're on online is going to be linked there. So that's the spot to go if you're not sure what you're looking for. 
And just before I sign off, another cheeky little self promo. Uh, I actually have an online vintage clothing store. It's called Chase Supply Co. And we're on Instagram as Chase Supply Co. And our website is just chasesupplyco.com. Super easy to remember. Obviously, no pressure at all to check it out. And with that said, I'll wrap this up. Thanks again for listening. And we really hope that we'll see you again next episode. Bye.